when you feel betrayed, the first thing you want to do is to get uh, even. And then, you know, hopefully take everybody to court and maybe recover enough money to pay hmm. our debt. Uh, but I, I think people want to get even. What unites everybody is, you know, when people are seeking justice, just like the Romans did, you know, 2,000 years ago. They want justice. You don't learn that uh, you want equality. You just, you know, it's, it's innate in us as, as humans. Saka, publisher, Rasif 22. We lived on hope, borrowed hope. Mm -hmm. There was the oil and gas, there was the, if we dare say, the Israel peace dividend. That was very fashionable in 1995, mm -hmm. 6, 7. Mm -hmm. We were hoping that we'll have peace and, you know, we're gonna get technology and uh, agricultural uh, boom and things like that. So that's uh, even maybe two and a half decades, right? Yeah, oh, it's, okay. it's yeah. Yeah, living on borrowed time. Mm -hmm. But lately, Uh, things have gotten really difficult for the average Lebanese person. You know, that uh, migration is increasing mm -hmm. at all levels and with the refugee problem uh, uh, adding, you know, an, another burden. And, and, and I think the, 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 the culprit really is the economy. Uh, uh, that the economy was not in such a dire state like today that it, Lebanese were able to make do with a bad situation. Is that really the issue? Because it's It's a long time. Mm. And I'm, I'm reason I'm asking about 2019 is because it's almost a decade now that we've seen revolts throughout the region. And it's 30 years since Ta'if. Mm. There's a lot of time. Is it that Lebanese were able to adjust so long as the economy was barely sustainable? Two things. Basically, one thing is the economy was stifling everybody. Mm. High interest mm. rates were killing every uh, new enterprise you know you mm. can't start a business what why start the business when you can be paid 10 15 20 even 30 percent on supposedly risk-free money from the central bank <laughs> i like that so, that word supposedly is very yeah, important yeah so just you know <laughs> the rich people didn't want to start any businesses yeah. and you know get into the uh, the cycle of uh, trying to recover your money and paying taxes in a mm -hmm. you know very difficult system And um, so all job growth st stopped, you know, just there were no more jobs and everybody was migrating, plus the refugee problem, plus the GCC tourism stopped completely. Right. And, you right. know, so we had some tourism, but not enough to keep uh, the 2-3% the per year GDP growth that we need to, to at least uh, maintain. Uh, so really all sectors of the economy were breaking down at the same time because mm. so tourism uh, entrepreneurial attempt or spirit was weakened yeah. so it's a decade of slipping into something like this mediocracy, mediocracy. basically we've yeah. seen just uh, you know it's mediocracy driven from the top mm -hmm. uh, going mm -hmm. down from uh, you know just the government ministers you know just uh, yeah. you know who they are just uh, It's just people just don't want to put up with things like this anymore. You know, you get. Yeah. To I think it's good to have that kind of perspective because it's been so easy to point at just the last few months. Mm. And of course, it's not about a WhatsApp text, mm. and it's not about fires, or not even about necessarily the lira fluctuating a bit. It is years and years and years of accumulated 
problems and mismanagement. Mm. But you know, at the end of the day, this problem is not an you know, the the uprising covered up for the uh, for the economic collapse. The collapse was bound to happen. You know, oh, that's they could interesting. have pulled okay. another yeah. six month, one year maximum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, the, they can't. I mean, the next round of borrowing was going to be at what forty percent in dollars. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it's just uh, the the economy had collapsed before this uprising. So this uprising actually comes to help the central bank and the government to uh, sort of camouflage. Uh, huh. know, they can say, oh, it's the uprising that, that caused the, the, the lira to collapse. And uh, basically, you saw your minimum wage drops from $600 to $440 you know, today. Uh, so it's, it's, it's the other way around. Actually, the, the uprising just speeded the, the process. Right. Uh, it's much more... Uh, hard on everybody but uh, Can I ask you just, just your opinion on this there's you have a p- population that is dealing with an economic crash mm. and post crash the political class scrambles to try and find a way out uh, you have a lira that has fluctuated and is slipping continues to slip and you have a central bank that's very late in the game at trying to avoid financial gymnastics to a degree and try to put some some solution on the table and now you have a prime minister you have the executive branch of the government the leader resigned two months ago he's still in power there's still caretaker capacity why does it take so long for the political class in this country or the state itself to react to problems because the population has had enough and people have been protesting for two months. Mm. It almost seems like the state has this a, a tendency to just wait it out and hope for the better and hope that something good will happen later. Is, is, that, is that kind of uh, is that built into the state? I, I don't think the state is waiting it out. I think this is by design. Uh, mm. they're, just, uh, they're hoping that people will give up and get tired mm. And, mm. Uh, and move on to other things and you know, get too worried about their financial... Uh, ramifications, whether it's their job or it's their savings or it's their ability to take the five hundred dollars out of their bank account, mm. or or you know many reasons. But th- th- that's that's uh, one. Uh, so they're one, hoping one the side. demonstrations literally just fizzle out. Yeah. So that that wait and see approach seems to be uh, like uh, the only thing that lasts in the Lebanese state. It's wait, wait it out, and hope for something to work itself later. Yeah, because we all know that things will not work themselves out. Right. Yeah, and the worst thing that could happen to us today is to get a financial package from anybody. Mm. We should really, you know, grow up and uh, mm-hmm. and feel the pain and uh, make people accountable for the losses and you know trace the the events that led here yeah. and uh, have people take responsibility for. I like that analogy of growing up. Yeah, that it's time that this it's time we're fifty years old as a nation. We're you know sixty years old. Something well, seventy years old. Seventy six years old. Yeah, I think. yeah, we're, 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 we're yeah, very we're quite young. old. Yeah, we're, well, we're very young, you know, and compared to you know France and England and Italy and all these yeah. democracies and uh, and but we look bad for our age. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> very bad for our age. Indeed, we do. Yeah, but just uh, it's time that you know we grew up and became. Uh, adults and uh, lived according to our means. Now, stepping away from, from what is happening now, mm-hmm. and 
I, it's in a way, it's a parallel story, and I think it's probably more central this time around than previous demonstrations. This dance, the political class with the protesters, I think without, without independent media, I don't think we'd be getting the full story. Mm. And I've grown to learn over time how crucial uh, independent alternative media citizen journalism is to this moment. Mm. And I'm going to even take it a step further. I think our expectations may be higher as a result of that form of interaction, mm. whether it's the political class or events happening. And I want to go back in time a bit to 2010, 2011, the beginning of the Arab Spring. Mm. I know simply by watching yeah. events unfold that Facebook was part of the story. Social media mm -hmm. was part of the story. Uh, people were using their smartphones. People were documenting. Citizen journalists were in Tahrir. They were in Libya, Tunisia, all over the region, mm. even in Syria. Yeah. Uh, but fast forward a decade, it almost seems like the citizen journalist is more important than traditional media. That all of us are now citizen journalists to a point. Mm -hmm. And I just want your perspective on this. Alternative media, independent media, what is its role in the story right now in Lebanon? If you could maybe put it in a historic context with the Arab Spring, and yeah. is it really as important as some of us make it out to be? Or is there some, maybe is this a bit too romantic? Facebook had a big, big role uh, in the Arab world. Uh, going back to 2010, mm -hmm. uh, when Facebook was not allowed in of the 22 Arab countries, you know, 10 did not have uh, Facebook. Uh, Facebook vulgarized or popularized uh, people's opinions and they went viral. And uh, at the time, Facebook was not a publisher, but rather a networking place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And at the time, you know, you put something nice, Facebook allowed it to go viral yes, uh, yes. until 2017. There, there was no, uh, no, no ceiling to how far your, your post went. So uh, Facebook was the first place where you know, Arabic citizens uh, or citizens of the Arabic-speaking world uh, started to, to share their, their pain, the unfairness, the, yeah. uh, their hopes, uh, failures, dreams, uh, accomplishments. And uh, people started to want to have the same thing. It's just uh, just like the the American Empire, uh, the human uh, inclination naturally is to prosper and improve and have a better education and a better future for their children. Hmm. And uh, same thing with the Arabic speaking world. Everybody wants the same thing. They want uh, stability. They want income. They want good food, good health. Uh, entertainment, infotainment. Uh, is that is that more central than just challenging authority? The, yeah, the, the, the I, dignity or the demands of no. The, I, I yeah. think in, in, in the in the beginning it was all about the you know freedom of expression mm. because that you know we didn't have that. Yeah. Uh, remember the you know and until today most part of the world media is owned either by the state. Uh, and you know, if it's not the state, it's a political party yeah. or a billionaire from a political party, uh, a billionaire because of the people, uh, not because they invented something or you know <laughs> did something good. 
Or, and, and the worst kind of uh, media is the one that's driven by religious uh, uh, poison spewing, whether, you know, it's... Uh, the terrible Sunni Shia rift, which, you know, they vilify each other all day. The Shia are bad, Sunnis are bad, you know, Iran and Saudi Arabia. And uh, they've succeeded very well in doing this. Look mm. at us today in Lebanon. Uh, or, you know, the, the uh, uh, you know, just, I mean, to, to, to be fair, there's also the Christian media, you know, like 10 very strong websites who are telling people to convert to Christianity just, just to, to balance the... Uh, the, 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 the conversation. So all media was directed and effectively fake news, you know, just at, <laughs> uh, at, uh, at best. A lot of it was modeled after the Soviet-style Soviet fake news and, yeah. of course, the American fake news, you yeah. know, just until the, the 80s, there was, uh, you know, a America first, you know, right. uh, Policy on so we adapted that rift towards our own problems. It's human nature, yeah. you know. Just yeah. and there was no challenge, no no journalistic culture. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, mm -hmm. Lebanon had a Cairo started, of course, first, and then Lebanon. We did have two great uh, uh, cities of uh, 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 hubs of journalism at yes. some points. So of yeah. course, Damascus and Baghdad had some great pockets of excellence and many other places you know, just not to, to offend anyone sure, sure. Uh, but that fizzled away you know just yeah. uh, be, for many reasons economic reasons uh, mostly uh, and you know Egypt Al-Ahram the, 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 yes. the biggest yeah. Arabic paper state owned the Saudi papers are owned by princes yeah. uh, and uh, in a way Lebanon managed to somehow avoid that mm -hmm. and even with it, within its own problems there's been a level of independence here. Maybe it's relative, but it does shine compared to the region. Yes, least. it does, definitely. And, but but we didn't really, pers we weren't ahead in terms of alternative media. Mm. That kind of seemed to ha all happen at once. Yeah, alternative media was not a priority in Lebanon because the media was actually not the worst. Right, yeah. right. Whereas in Egypt, uh, you know, they've got some... Yeah. Good alternative media sites. So it filled started. a bigger vacuum there. It was maybe more demand. Yeah. Would you be willing to say that social media, alternative media, citizen journalism is the bedrock of the Arab Spring? I, I, I think what happened in Syria was Arab Spring, and I don't think it was media driven. Mm. It was driven uh, from need and mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. hunger and poverty and mm. uh, drought and uh, ma ma many other things and dignity mm. for human value in in Tunisia it was really poverty and not making ends meet that that drove people to the street right so i don't think there was actually an instigator yeah. coming from uh, social media but social media carried stories immediately so yeah. it helped uh, the fire spread very quickly so everybody who had the same concerns or same pain yes immediately you know adopted the model and uh, uh, just like Lebanon yeah. I think you know without without Facebook because it's all happening on Facebook not Twitter no, you know Tripoli and Nabatia wouldn't be aware of what's going on you know that's where I and WhatsApp which is a yeah. Facebook enterprise so it's just uh, and Instagram which is same another Facebook same company, enterprise yeah. Yeah, yeah so I'm, I'm this is actually I'm curious about this I had a, this conversation about what when we look back, what will we look at in terms of the moment things were inevitable here? Was it the WhatsApp tax? 
was it the, was it the fires or I, I floated this idea and I want your opinion I think it was the kick that kick the female kick against the security guard that seemed to spread instantly and very few of us actually saw that kick happen whoever took that photo amazing I mean it was like not just time to perfection but I mean it was it was the moment that seemed to almost like everybody in Lebanon felt the same kick. You know what that kick what that kick did? That kick yeah. is 50% of the Lebanese waking up women suddenly taking on their duty to participate in government in decisions in civil society. They had been uh, marginalized whether by tradition or by their own um, reluctance, fear, uh, just, you know, it's easier not to do it. For very good reason that they would... Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, women just are doing amazing things. I mean, I I would say this is the the revolution of women. Uh, They're taking front lines and they're very, you know, they they finally asserted their, uh, their, their... role in, in coming out of this mess. Yes. Look at Rayel Hassan, you know, it just finally we have a, a strong women in government. It's, th- it's time that women took much bigger roles and assumed uh, carried their weight. Although, uh, and I want maybe your opinion here, that symbol, which we, we know, a female minister of interior, that and the kick, both are a quote-unquote woman's empowerment symbol. I really think the kick did more than a woman in power and a ministry. Of course, but you, you know, the, the, the woman in power is, uh, is an example of what women can achieve. Mm. You know, a mm. woman can be leading the army, she can be leading intelligence, which mm. is a very important uh, uh, role in Lebanon that we don't know who, who, who's behind. Women mm. can do a lot. Mm. I think w- when women come into the formula, that, that was a big, big success yeah. in Lebanon. That's, that keeps things dry, uh, you know, Driving well. And that is social media. That mm. kick was not carried by traditional sources. There was no way. And you couldn't have a TV channel no. airing that and then repeating it. That was an Instagram account mm-hmm. shared multiple times. Do you think that social media is driving our expectations? That maybe we're less inclined to tolerate things that we took for granted? And I'll give you an example. The flooding two weeks ago. Mm. We're used to flooding. We know what flooding looks like in Beirut. It's not the first time we've had a tunnel flooded. It's not the first time we've seen cars submerged in water. Unfortunately, it's a yearly occurrence. We see it every year. Uh, Social media this time around almost seemed like we were more upset about it, that we're not going to tolerate it for another year. I I don't know if I'm even reading this right, but I... I look at everything that's happening on my phone now. I rarely turn to the news. I rarely turn on the TV to know what's going on. TV's finished, yeah. TV's yeah. finished. TV's finished. Yeah, you want to get your news when you want to get it. You just get on your Twitter timeline and right. you know you see everything that's going on. And then uh, if you're a bit more patient, you might want to watch uh, you, you know, YouTube or something like that, but you right. know, who, who, who puts on the TV? That's, that's fascinating. Patience yeah. for yeah. YouTube. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> it shows where the, so the attention span is, attention span is really diminished. We know from, from our clicks, you know, the average person, you know, comes and stays with you for two minutes and in two minutes they've seen four pages. 
Right. So you can imagine, you know, how, how they scan and uh, skim. So do you think that in a way accelerates the moment that history by default may move faster now because we're, we're all expecting things to happen in a shorter period of time? And I, I mean this in a, in this maybe it's almost, this is more maybe psychological mm -hmm. and maybe it's almost anthropology here. In the old days, the time it took for us to actually know what was going on yeah. would maybe in itself make us less less able or less willing mm. to join in, maybe a fleeting moment. Mm. This is not necessarily that long ago, but here today, if there's a what you said it WhatsApp group or a Facebook post or an Instagram, I, I know exactly what's happening, mm. and there's a good chance I'll head there because I saw that. Yeah, are, are we moving faster? As a result, faster every every day. It's faster. It just uh, yeah. This the, WhatsApp is really changing the game. This, this in this round, I think mm -hmm. we've never had WhatsApp uh, revolutions before. They were like Facebook, you know, five years ago, like in in Damascus, in Cairo, in the, in Tunisia, yeah, uh, in Turkey. When they wanted to stop things, they stopped Facebook and Twitter. Now it's on WhatsApp, and you know you you get given all sort of uh, fake stuff on WhatsApp. Right. You know, one out of two things on WhatsApp is fake, without sources, without links. Would and you put it at that level? I think so. That just you know we're, we we have a media media WhatsApp where you know most publishers and journalists are are, are on it, and then one of one of two shared WhatsApp stories is we just immediately say this is fake this is not fake and this is being shared by journalists so you can imagine your average uh, Joe sitting in uh, some village sharing you know fictitious WhatsApp you know and then acting yeah. on them but this okay this is actually an important point and maybe that's just a subjective thing that I don't want to get my news on a chat uh, platform exactly because so it's become chat so yeah. people who are unemployed like most Lebanese people are on the street partly because they're not employed so they're on what whatsapp groups with their friends and chatting and they tell them oh they're coming from Khanda let's go get them and then you know mm. this is how it's happening and just they're creating creating history through reacting to all kinds of stories the consumer should have the tools to know or learn what is potentially fake and what is real I am very unable at times you're not a journalist not a journalist a, B, yeah. sometimes they want to believe what they because you know groups self uh, yes. reinforce their thinking you know they're not going to you know a, sh a group that wants uh, trouble is not going to share a nice post from uh, Sami Jmail saying hey guys let's not let's not fight with these people because you know we shouldn't no they're going to sh share something from somebody who say you know let's go get them and yeah. these things reinforce themselves. What are the abilities for, whether it's the journalist or the consumer, to be able to, in a way, push those, those very entertaining, very seductive, dangerous clips, posts? Because I, I know from my end that WhatsApp to me is the jungle. Yeah, I think it's going to get worse with time, you know, because yeah, exactly. there'll be deep fakes and there'll be yeah. much more, you know, engaging stuff on WhatsApp groups. But I know that Facebook is problematic already, mm -hmm. but I'm more likely to take a Facebook post seriously, even if it is fake. WhatsApp to me is all dangerous, whether it's legitimate or not. 
are, is there a way to kind of is it impossible to really vet WhatsApp for reliable information versus fake news, or is it simply just not? I mean, WhatsApp is just a gossip chat, <laughs> gossip chat, chat, chat room. You know, like it's you know they people can put whatever they want. I yeah. mean, the last thing you want is for anybody to regulate your chat with anybody. So if you hang with uh, uh, warmongering uh, yeah. people, you're gonna get warmongering material. Right. Uh, it's who you hang out with, and that by default encourages misinformation, reinforces. Uh, stereotyping so that, that I mean I know that that is definitely crucial to what's happening now mm-hmm. everyone I speak to everyone says that they receive information on WhatsApp maybe to varying degrees how much they actually want to read it or whether or not they take it seriously but everyone is turning to WhatsApp I'm assuming that the reactions on the streets whether it's on the ring in downtown these protests counter protests potential violence I'm certain about this, that WhatsApp is critical to the narrative. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing when it comes to expectations and change. It may actually be, a, may even be a toxic strategy moving forward for people to share what you said, the, the, the worst sides of the story together and maybe get enraged together. Mm-hmm. It almost seems like there's no way to actually turn the volume down on WhatsApp that it's beyond everyone's control. Is, is it more dangerous than people are making it out to be? Would, would, you, would you put any, any burden on WhatsApp in terms of the ability to spread misinformation? Or is, is it really WhatsApp just... is not going to go anywhere, and I think it's going to yeah. get worse with time. It's just, uh, if what, WhatsApp goes, there'll be others. It's just people want to share yeah. what they want to share. Yeah. Uh, you know, chat rooms are not meant to solve uh, problems. They're meant to share right. and warn and uh, create uh, discussion. Right. So, you know, just it, it, it's not their duty to, to create news. Uh, people right. are just... Uh, uh, so we would agree that it's not alternative media. That's really just an echo chamber of, of ideas. Of the individuals yeah. uh, who, yeah. who want to, you know... Uh, multiply the their their ideas and spread them to people. WhatsApp, although it was around the last few years, was not used this way. Mm. It's used now today. What do you put that on? Why has WhatsApp become? I think three four years ago they did these group things, and then mm. the group mm. uh, allowed uh, you know people to 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 send to fifty and a hundred people on max right. something like that. Right. Mm. So the group chat has become a channel in a yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And it's, of course, instant. Yeah. It's not something you wait for. You get it right away. Get it. And everybody has a smartphone now, so and the data is cheap. <laughs> I find it quite ironic that that tax, you know, days, weeks, months later, <laughs> the company they were going to tax here in Lebanon has had its revenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to get your personal story here because... You're not new to independent media or alternative media. And I want to just maybe get the backside of, of the story. What took you to this world to begin with? And why are you? <laughs> in a way, I mean, what is Receive 22 to you in context? And what does it mean to you today? And I know it's not a Lebanon-focused platform. Yeah. You have the wider sort of region mm-hmm. on your... It really is addressing all countries going through 
fundamental change. So just maybe in context, why did you start this and what, what when, did you hope When to I do? started yeah. uh, Rossif 22, seven years ago, uh, well, about seven, eight years ago almost was the beginning of the project, media and the web, web media and, uh, and uh, the news business was a very lucrative business mm. and uh, eyeballs were worth a lot of money at the time <laughs> so it was a it was a project of scale okay. and eyeball acquisition which we've succeeded uh, quite well in in in, uh, but in you implementing chose, you chose news not entertainment or whatever no but it's not just about eyeballs or scale yeah but yeah i mean we chose infotainment so we inform uh -huh. but we entertain it's okay. just uh, we don't cover dull subjects, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, the the editorial line was always about human rights, democracy, yeah. freedom of expression. Yeah. Until today, we haven't veered from that. So it's all about inclusiveness, uh, and you know, the Arab world is big. You know, four hundred million people today. Uh, Internet penetration is not bad at all. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Speed is not bad at all. And uh, the the thing is, uh, the formula changed. What people are willing to pay for now, uh, mm. in terms mm. of membership or uh, paywalls. But the the what has saved us today and given us our uh, our edge is really the dedication to freedom of expression, free journalism, and human rights. Women, children, labor uh, are very integral part yes. of uh, of this uh, uh, this equation, and especially women stuff. Mm. And mm. I think we've impacted a lot of lives and uh, made people think. Is it born out of the Arab Spring? Absolutely. I mean, this is this is an Arab Spring project. Uh -huh. uh, uh, I I've been living. I was living in the West uh, since. Israel invaded Lebanon in 1982. So you came back with the Arab Spring in mind, wanting to contribute to that open uh, opening of a yeah. I, I came back to pursue this as a business, really, uh, yes. the media business, which right. I, th I still think has a, a lot of potential. And you know, we're not our readers are worth something. Uh, I have you know big uh, big faith and hope in our readers I mean I just this is a great part of the world uh, people mm -hmm. are very engaging and they they're very hungry there there aren't enough uh, media producing any significant uh, uh, first source content most of our competition let's say in Lebanon takes their uh, their news from agencies nobody creates uh, news there's no storytelling and uh, Everything is dry and it's all uh, repeating uh, party storylines. Yeah. Uh, so we stand out. You come to us. You go on. You know uh, the drop-down menu. You choose the country and you you see what's going on in terms of social movement, political movement, creative movements, uh, uh, and uh, so storytelling is central to to the to its inception. That you didn't want to just sort of regurgitate. Facts. No, yeah. what, where, when, who is not enough. People yeah. want to know why and the effect and what is possibly going to happen as a result yeah. and comparative, uh, uh, you know, comparative methods. And we, we, we really go a long way in serving a story. Can I ask you though, because it's the whole region, 
And let's use Lebanon as an example. Why do you think these things are lacking here? We don't have these kinds of obstacles towards towards storytelling, news, sharing information. There have been threats to journalists. Some journalists paid the ultimate price. That tended to be a geopolitical sort of involvement. Mm -hmm. Geopolitics explained through news, not necessarily social issues or what you're describing, marginalized communities. Why is Lebanon, why was Lebanon rather late in the game? Because you're talking about something that just seven years ago. It surprises me that this that these ideas did not take hold earlier. Well, f- for many reasons. One of them is there's no really journalistic improvement in the universities. You know, the, the means mm. are very limited and media and journalism and multimedia has really had, had a stellar move in the last 10, 15 years in, mm. in, in the, the countries that we we look up to and mm-hmm. we don't look up to the Soviet Union or Russia or Iran. Uh, we look up to the West uh, and all our readers look up to the West. I don't know a single person who looks up to the Iranian or Russian media as an, or Chinese for that matter. So to, to keep up with these people, we, you have to import, uh, yeah. uh, you import the, 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 the way of thinking, the, the approach, the style, the visuals, the, the titles, mm. and the ethics of journalism, you know, where you don't clickbait, you don't uh, fabricate stories, where you pr- provide both sides of an argument. And even if it's an opinion piece, uh, you have the next day you have a balancing piece. You have somebody writing about why refugees should not be uh, let into this country. And the right. next day you have somebody who writes why refugees should come to this country. Mm-hmm. So even if you have strong opinions, and we paid the price, of course, uh, Jamal Khashoggi was our uh, writer uh, in Arabic as an exclusive with us. And uh, we paid the price. We got a block in Saudi Arabia because of him. Sorry, so uh, he was he was a writer for your outlet? For Rasif 22 in Arabic. He died while as a writer. Oh, so he was yeah. working for both? Washington, yeah, Washington and Washington English, yeah, and Arabic was Rasif 22. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so we got a block when we followed uh, his murder investigation, because we followed day by day, we had to. Uh, he was close to us, and uh, he, was a, he contributed a lot to the, uh, the feel of our uh, mm. GCC coverage. Also, we paid the price in Egypt. We covered the Mukhabarat meddling into into media, and then we got the block. So we lost within six months. We lost 45% of our market. So there Egypt are structural Saudi. obstacles. Of course, to, there are. And so it's not simply just that when you're covering. I mean, a simple idea of sharing these kinds of local stories. There has been state repression. Of course, we were blocked in Syria when we covered a story of the five most influential women in government. The next day we got a block because, you know, we, we profiled them, we saw how they, who paid for their college, who paid for their salary, you know, just, it was things that they don't like. So we got three major blocks in the three most pivotal Arab countries. Our, our best uh, journalist in Morocco, where we're doing a great job covering Morocco for a year, he got, he was told, you carry on writing for us, you're 22, you're gonna go to jail. And so overnight, our, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite young writers, a 25-year-old, was doing fantastic stories in Morocco, just was told, 
you drop Rasik 22 now. Yeah. Uh, we've had other problems. We've had many journalists taken to jail. Uh, one for doing as much as taking a photo of a building in Alexandria because you're not allowed to photograph buildings for any media without permission uh, in old law. And uh, we've got people who were tortured, Yemeni journalists. We, we had many, many a story. And that these, these things set you back, but they keep you uh, more determined and uh, uh, just uh, always sends you back. All, you know, the biggest dissidents in the GCC right with us, whether it's Bahrain, whether it's yeah. the UAE, we're, we're friends of all dissidents, not because we're a house of dissidents, but it's because we're a place that uh, we don't uh, have an agenda, a political agenda. We're just there to tell people's ideas and, and stories, relevant people, and with relevant ideas, mm -hmm, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so, in other words, the, the Lebanon factor is lack of, or there's no appropriate education when it comes to journalism today in the 21st century. We're not keeping up to date not with, keeping up. Yeah. With, with the technique and right. the style. And, uh, but the rest of the region, it's literally a political problem. The rest the of the region, they're just not allowed. You yeah. know, just, uh, it's, it's, without naming them, some countries, you know, people graduate high school. I mean, countries who claim to be more Arab than we are, of course they can. They can't write uh, ten lines without seven grammatical mistakes. It's it's unacceptable the level of writing, and uh, they're just not uh, either too spoiled to work or not not uh, not able to work and produce. So it's 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 a jungle out there, and just finding good talent is uh, is a big big challenge at any level. But 2019, seven years after you started, do you see that these obstacles are beginning to fade? Or, or has it become worse? No. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm afraid to say I think things are becoming worse. Mm -hmm. So because there's still no... Well, there, there's one university in Dubai who's doing a good job in, in, in journalism, only one. But mm -hmm. that's, mm -hmm. that's not enough for this, this big world. We, I, I don't like seeing the journalism become an elitist place yeah. where only the smartest and brightest can write, right. which is right. the current situation. We've got some fantastic journalists, but they're, they're an elite, at least an intellectual elite, and that's not good. Uh, journalism and, and publishing should not be for the elite, it should be for everybody. But that's how citizen journalism, I think, does a, it, it, it in a way balances things out, because you and me, despite respective training, and yours is far superior, I think, to the average person with a phone, but both of you are treated as equals when it comes to a post or when you're sharing information or if you're just literally sharing your thoughts, there's no real way for yours to be taken more seriously. Which is a great thing. Exactly. So there is a dem democratization inherent in what's going on. But not in the print uh, media, which is still right. seen the, as the, 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 the place to go, uh, you know, to give your interview to, uh, you know, newspaper A, B or C. And, uh, that that is still entrenched. Do you think that people are still willing to buy the newspaper and read an interview? I, I don't remember the last time I even looked at a newspaper. 
It's for talking about the parents, uh, considering our ages, <laughs> even, even at our ages, for grandparents. Right. I think my, you know, from all people I know, my parents are the last people who still buy the newspaper. Exactly. So, yeah. so it's not really there per se. Mm-hmm. They're not the bulk of the population reading or, or watching or accessing information. Yeah, it's all on WhatsApp. We go back to the same problem that you know people mm-hmm. are clipping, photo, you know, screenshotting and uh, yeah. distributing content. Like but there's this, no. Do you sources. think that a source like yours, do you think that it's able to bridge that divide where you have a serious attempt at explaining whether it's entertaining or not, that there is a story that you're sharing? It's not WhatsApp junk and it's not the old way of accessing print media. Do you think that this model is sustainable and that this this is the go-to model for the future? Media, online, independent, I think we're about three to five years behind uh, the the curve in mm. terms of mm. the product and uh, the results. Mm. Uh, but you know, w- what is sure is that everybody's going to be digital, and yeah. people want allegiance is to digital natives. People don't want to go to a Nahar and read them online. Sorry, you say know, it again. Allegiance is to digital natives. Natives, people who are born digital. Right. Like right. Twenty two was yes. never a paper before. Yeah. yeah why yeah. you know why why go to the paper to read it and it didn't work right. and I don't think it's uh, uh, it's it's, it's going to work because they're all tainted with their line of thinking yeah. and people want to be free to, to read what they want to read and uh, plus we, we had the, the the Arab world is is really very limited by uh, taboos Aib what can be said what cannot be said uh, and th- that really has restricted a lot most writers are self-censored or self-censoring uh, so censorship Will you put that into Lebanese circle yeah, as well course. yeah yeah mm. they're, they're always worried about upsetting even in politics mm. they worry about upsetting this lord or that you know warlord or that warlord or this uh, <laughs> you know that, that's why people you know scandals financial scandals don't make it to the news they keep threatening that, you know, I have this file in my drawer about this minister who, who did this and that. They don't make it. People are scared. And online media is less afraid to go there. I don't know about other uh, outlets, but we're not scared. And we, mm-hmm. we had this mm-hmm. big La'akhav campaign, which did, uh, I think we had two million people who've seen that uh, video produced in Tripoli uh, just, just before the... Uh, uprisings and we're, we're not scared yeah uh, we this is our turf we're we're, we're in, at home everywhere we are at home in every country and uh, we cover things the way they are we deal with taboo we deal with religion we deal with corruption we deal with uh, trafficking and uh, yeah. uh, tell all these stories that uh, people shy away from what are you able to do when a country blocks your your site you, the, the, blocking used to be a very effective tool. Mm. They could actually block you, but yeah. now we're able to produce a new proxy every day. <laughs> uh, so they so it's can, a temporary measure now. So they don't block you anymore because yeah. you know they figured with the proxies we're producing, we can be nastier and nastier. Each time they block us, <laughs> we become nastier. Uh, I wrote in the Washington Post at the beginning of the year about the, the block from Saudi Arabia. That's not good for them. Uh, because blocking Rasif 22 is not about blocking Rasif 22. It's about blocking Saudis from seeing, you know, what's happening in the world. You know, Egypt has 550 
at last count, blocked websites. People whose opinion they don't want the Egyptian people to see. Right. Uh, but there's now effective ways of literally plus VPNs. Just, Everybody yeah. has a VPN. Right. But the, the 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 thing is, just blocking things is, is just not democratic. It just tells your the people, we are your custodian. Yeah. Uh, we want to tell you what to read and what not to read, and we know better, and you don't know anything, and uh, just you know it's it's a, it's it's a weak. Uh, it's fear. Yeah, uh, they're fearful. But none of that has ever made you reconsider your editorials or your way of publishing. When a when a rogue state or whether it's a, a dictatorship or whatever, a military commander, and you're suddenly blocked from that country, it has never made you recalibrate how you approach the subject. It's prevented me from ever traveling anywhere south of Beirut airport, you know, just I don't go to uh, any of these countries. Uh, so, uh, okay, so it's, prevent- sorry, it's prevented your physical movement. Yes. But the, but the website- and our writers there are all, you know, writing with, uh, without their identity. Right. We get contributions through secure servers and... Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so people are scared. Uh, so it's really just there's no way around it for these regimes to effectively restrict what you're producing. No, they can't. They can't. No, no. As long as uh, we have money, people are willing to work and uh, sell us yeah. uh, their content articles. So just they can't fight us. Okay. All our work is, uh, is done by... Locals. Yes. We don't have any colonial ideas or any white people writing with us. We're all, we're, we're all you know, brown and uh, uh, and it's, we're it's it's all uh, a gra- uh, a grassroots writing. Right. Uh, so just uh, there's you know everybody's local. So yeah. just it's so that people say we are importing ideas into the Arab world and. Uh, uh, you know, liberal ideas, which yeah. liberal was the villain word two years ago in Saudi Arabia until uh, MBS in his infinite wisdom decided to bring concerts as, as a way to, to, uh, to, to, to change things. So n- the word liberal is no longer the, the worst uh, adjective you can be given. We were liberal. And I take pride in being liberal. Liberal just means we're progressive, really, in that kind. And uh, and we go beyond uh, the taboos which have res- restrained most creativity in the Arab world. Yes. Because we're so restrained in every format through bogus religion, uh, things that are not written in the Quran but imposed on us by our Sunni uh, al-Bukhari who came from Kazakhstan to, you know, and 1200 years ago or by, by some cleric from uh, Qum who tells us what to do in Lebanon today so we, we just go back to basics and uh, yeah. ignore all the noise we cover you know human rights and uh, activism, sex, it, drugs, it really rock and roll. Just we go back to basics and to yeah. our human instincts as, as consumers of knowledge. Sure, and I've noticed a cat and mouse situation where it's these outlets, online media, alternative independent sources, the traditional media is usually turning to them for ideas. Of course. And it's, it's The next day, one out of two uh, days I find my uh, our, our content the next day at the you know the the big the big guys yeah. uh, with a bit of uh, 
uh, cosmetics, cosmetics surgery, yeah, but very yeah. obvious yeah. that it's not. Yeah. Some of the leading websites used to take things as they are, change the photo and republish them without reference. Yeah. yeah. Then, but now you can, they can't do that anymore. You report them to Google, and uh, okay. the SEO will punish them severely. If you report them like five times, they will no longer appear on on search. You can kill so their business. Right. Mm. Well, that's actually good that these outlets do have a way of navigating that because, yeah. unfortunately, material here is always copied and pasted without ownership, without attribution, none of that. Mostly okay. because people don't know the value of the work and not, it's not malicious intent, but yeah. that's part of the missing uh, education about journalism right. and the value of... Uh, and it's hard work that goes unpaid. Yeah. It is a form of theft plagiarism it is in its, yeah. in its essence every independent media person I've spoken to produces content solely in English I think and you tell me if I'm wrong you're among the few with a Lebanese audience that deliberately shies away from English or as you said there's one maybe one story in English, but it's not the focus. Clearly. It's a translation meant for our supporters who can't read Arabic. Right. Really. That, that's the intent. But sure. Mm. But I'm, I'm asking, that's an idea that was from the beginning of Rasif 22. It's not a new thing. No, it was meant for, for you know, your, your Arabic person yes. uh, who doesn't speak uh, but can English. Can I ask you, is there any reluctance to have content in English alongside the Arabic? Or is it, is it are you taking in a way a a stand in terms of supporting the Arabic language? I don't think the Arabic language needs support. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like 400 yeah. million people, they're not sure. going anywhere. You know, yeah. we're not, it's not a dying language. Right. We're reproducing too fast, maybe. But I would know why you're not doing it in French, even though you would have French readers in maybe Algeria and Morocco. I, and I think the need or the gap is in Arabic uh, language. Hmm. Uh, a B... Most of the people who are producing for the Arab, English or French language media are not actually native speakers of English or French. Mm. So they, they end up, you know, producing rubbish or writing in 18th century French, like right. uh, some, you know, newspapers uh, that write in French. It's just archaic and it's not, it's just, it's not grassroots. It's not. So the other the quote unquote foreign languages written in these countries is already bad content. I, I'm degree. not saying it's bad content. I'm saying it's bad English. I mean, mm -hmm. like you know, the, most of the UAE uh, production is in English, and it's mm -hmm. not written by English people. I can tell you that much. Uh, so it's just like having Arabic content written by people from Malaysia. It's not their language. You're not going to get yeah. it right. Uh, a B, I think the Arabic language is fantastic and uh, a really rich uh, place to express yourself. Yeah. Plus, the need is big, and uh, as I said, you know, so it's really seventy percent yeah. don't read or write French or English. So right. that's the market. So it really is. A, there is a deliberate attempt at producing good quality content in the local language for locals yeah we it's take pride in doing that yeah it's uh, it's uh, mm. although i do sense that there is a even though it's a big market there's also built-in restrictions on what you're describing which is supporters that would want to know what you're writing and hence they demand something in english so there's no i mean would there be a way to maybe have both combined 
for that, that the local content is not diminished and that the foreign language content is also not diminished. I mean, there is one website that does a really good job in both languages, but that's because, you know, Egypt is a country of 100 million people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you're bound to find 4,000 exceptionally good English writers. So it's Madamasar. They do fantastic uh, yeah, English, yeah. and their Arabic is almost just as good, really, really fine. Right. But, you know, it's, it's a huge market. It's mostly an Egyptian outlet, if I'm not mistaken. They yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, they don't really... No, go, they, they, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Egypt, uh, it's right. Egypt-centric, plus, you know, just... It's an Egypt uh, mm, production. Mm, yes. they, they do a good job in both languages, but other than that, uh, the, the mandate is really in the local language. And you yeah. just... Uh, yeah, there's... Um, uh, in Kuwait, there's a really good uh, Mansur. They do a great mm. job in mm. Arabic, mm. Uh, Kuwaiti-Egyptian uh, production. So it's really up to the local outlets to do that. And when I say local, I mean per country-based, not necessarily a regional sort Pan Arab. Of, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I always sense that it, it's just odd that there isn't one site that has both in both they're on the same level. I mean, from I know the few editors in chiefs of you know the good websites or the good newspapers. Ultimately, they work for an owner who has mm. a political agenda, and mm. within one, two, three, by year four, they 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 uh, uh, they have a fight on something and they get fired, and uh, their their papers get ended and they get deported. So you know they, they they've learned better that uh, yeah. you know. There's no when you're working for an individual, you have to work to their whim, mm. and uh, because it's often about the media is about the individual or his party or his uh, the book he worships. Right. So uh, right. until we graduate uh, uh, that that into real institutions uh, uh, with tradition, we will always be under delivering on uh, on good good journalism. I hope, and I get the feeling that in all these conversations, I, I sense that there is, an, at the beginning, of perhaps a, a, an attempt at education and maybe having media in the mix, not, at a, not as a university course, not as something elective, but maybe something that's foundational. Because media is central to our lives today. Social media is critical. And I think we're, as you said, and I like how you said it's going to get worse and worse. And to me, that just means it's becoming more and more pervasive. So the earlier we learn the tools on how to navigate all this, I think the better for all of us. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's, it's like this in business uh, journalism. It's like this in uh, uh, travel journalism. It's like mm -hmm. this everywhere. I mean, we're concerned currently with political journalism, which is taken over all sorts of other journalism in, yeah. in, in the world because we're in a bit of a pickle everywhere in the Arab world. But, yeah. you know, typically people in the West or in safer or less uh, warring countries, they have these same concerns, but on sports or on cars or on right. the economy or on yeah. voting. These just like so happens the Arab world is... Niche sort of yes. topics, yeah. Yeah, we're just still stuck in corruption and uh, yeah. and where's our money and uh, maybe we don't have money. I mean, we're, we don't know anything. It's just there's no transparency, no right to information. Uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's complicated. Well, in the mix of all this complicated 
stuff, it's nice to know that there are people that have dedicated their lives to making things less complicated to a degree or helping us explain exactly what's going on and potentially contributing to the accountability that all of us desire, whether it's in Morocco, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Iran, here in Lebanon, literally just down the street, happening on a daily basis. And I hope the Arab Spring and this revolt brings better things for us and for journalists. I'd like to see this taking hold. Absolutely. Thank you.